When I first became superintendent, I was made aware of some issues that the district was having with teacher retention and and teacher turnover. Welcome to the podcast for education leaders. Each episode, we bring you stories of people who are finding creative ways to solve problems, improve schools, advance teaching, and impact students in the classroom. We really wanted to create a culture where our teachers felt that they had a voice and that they were being listened to. From experts in the field to superintendents to principals, from departments like HR and instruction to the business office, we're speaking with leaders who have stories to tell, and we're sharing those conversations here. This school year has been a start of a school year like none other, not only in Richardson, but in any of the districts I've been in before. I would say to anyone who says that this won't work, I would say you're wrong because every one of us just likes to be listened to and to feel like I am a part of something bigger than myself. From Frontline Education, you're listening to Field Trip. We're speaking today with Dr. Jeannie Stone, superintendent of Richardson ISD, just outside of Dallas, Texas. Jeannie, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Jeannie has been superintendent since January 2017. Prior to that, she served as deputy superintendent for curriculum and instruction. We are a large suburban school district. We have over 39,000 students, four large 6A high schools, and we are a beautiful, diverse community and district. In fact, we are the ninth most diverse district in the state of Texas, and that's one of the great things about our district that we're really known for is just a a beautiful picture of diversity um, for a school district. We're here today to talk about teacher retention, but I first want to ask you about the opposite of that, and teacher turnover. What sort of teacher turnover issues have you faced at Richardson in recent years? So when I first became superintendent, or actually when I first arrived in Richardson three years ago, um, I was made aware of some issues that the district was having with um, teacher retention and, and teacher turnover. We had a a fairly high teacher turnover rate. Uh, at the time, it was over 18%, which was higher than any, really any other district in, in the Metroplex area. And there were a lot of different, you know, factors that, that caused that. And uh, we started immediately working to address some of those issues. Yeah, I, I understand that there were certain schools that had an even higher turnover rate. Can you speak to that a little bit, too? Yeah, so we found that there that some of our schools in the district where we have some of the more challenging conditions um, had a, a higher turnover rate, and that that's not unusual for school districts. Um, you know, we have in Richardson ISD, we have uh, while we are very diverse um, in terms of just demographics, we're 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 very diverse in terms of socioeconomic status. So we have some of our schools that have very high concentrations of economically disadvantaged 
in their schools, beautiful schools, but there are challenges in those schools. And so the, the turnover rates at those campuses were, were much higher than the average across the whole district. And so, so at those particular schools where they have greater than 90% economically disadvantaged percentages, we found that there, were, there was well over 25% teacher turnover every year for, for a consistent number of years. And so because of that, that was really driving up our overall teacher turnover rate. And so you've begun what you are calling uh, the STAY campaign. Could you tell me a little bit about that, what it is and, and what sort of things it encompasses? So we really wanted to uh, create a culture where our teachers felt that they had a voice and that they were being listened to. And so when we started really trying to evaluate the ways that we had uh, outlets for teachers to you know, give input about things that were possibly causing them to leave. We, we, we looked at our exit interview data and we, we even, I even reached out to a number of teachers who had left the district to go to other districts, uh, neighboring districts. So it wasn't, you know, certainly there are always going to be conditions where teachers will leave, where, you know, maybe they're, they're, they get, their spouse gets transferred or, you know, they move to another um, city out of reach of the drive of coming to the district. But I reached out to teachers who had left and gone to just neighboring districts that are just miles from us. And, and so that we were doing a lot of that kind of reacting to why teachers left. And so we, we really wanted to see, well, what could we do to uh, talk to them before they left? And so, you know, there's a phenomenon that is, is we did not invent, but, and I had heard about called stay interviews. So we've decided to set up to where we would have a stay interview opportunity for every single one of our teachers last year. And um, it, was, it was a great campaign. Talk to me about that interview process. You interviewed every single teacher, is that correct? So we provided an opportunity for um, every teacher to come in and, uh, and every, actually every staff member, every counselor, every paraprofessional. And so what we did was we set up a schedule over the course of a couple of months where we had teams that went out to set up at every campus and they spent almost a whole day there. And we would allow any staff member who wanted to to come up and either sign up to speak individually or they could come in teams. And a lot of our, um, you know, we might have a whole fourth grade team that would come in and they would just sit and we and have a conversation. And we had some, some questions. Our, our questions were such like, tell us what you love about working in Richardson ISD. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and have something change, what would it be? So they weren't really hard questions. There were questions that were fairly easy to answer. And uh, we found that people were very, very honest and open when speaking one-on-one with us. And we were able to get some great information that we actually put in some things into action because of it. Uh, Then I'm sure that you took all of those answers and combed through them. But that really is a lot of data. How did you, what did that process look like as you compiled that data and analyzed it? We, we actually had some, a couple of, of our staff members and some, just some great people who are really, really good at that analysis work. And they spent, after all of it was compiled, they spent weeks going through it and looking for trends. And we were able to find some trends that, um, 
that came out. But, you know, I actually myself uh, went made sure that I went out and set in a number of the stay interviews at our campuses. And it was the whole process was just a, a great way to connect, to connect with our employees. They were so grateful. The teachers and staff members were just so grateful that we were listening. And um, so there were all kinds of benefits besides just the data that we collected, which I can talk to you about some of the things that we took action on. But it was also the, the culture that we're trying to build along the way where when you sit in front of people and you actually have a conversation and, and just listen and, you know, connect with them, that is the kind of culture that, that we're trying to create here in Richardson. I'm going to ask you about the data that you uh, came away with in a second, but when you talk about culture and the reaction that you got from teachers as you went out and, and just listened to them, what kinds of things did you hear teachers say to you? First question was, you know, what do you love about teaching in Richardson ISD? And I could say almost across the board, every teacher, of course, immediately answered, it's the kids, being with the kids. And that's the that's obviously the kind of culture that we are trying to build and we want is that all of our employees love kids, and that's one of the things that we really say and I promote every time that I talk to anyone is if you're going to work in this district, you have to love kids. And you also have to care about whether or not kids like you. And, and, and even in addition to that, if kids love you, then you can be more effective. So that was certainly something that we heard. And then they, um, the next thing people said is that they just love their team. They love the people that they get to work with. They love their administrators. And so it's definitely a, a kind of the answer there was people, 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 with kids being the, the lead answer. And that's what we want. That's, that's definitely the first thing that we want to come to mind when you ask any teacher, any employee, what they love about working in the school district. Hmm. As you looked at the trends that you were collecting from the answers that teachers gave you as you met with them, what were the, the broad stroke trends? What were the common themes that you saw come out frequently in terms of what would keep teachers at a school uh, or at a district, as well as what would be the kinds of things that would make teachers say, I'm going to leave? Not surprising to anyone who works in education, the number one thing that teachers said that if we could do anything was to give them more time. Time, time, time was just the overriding uh, number one thing that we heard across the board as we we visited all of our campuses. And, you know, teachers' jobs are so difficult and so challenging, and they can never have enough time. They are, they're teaching all day long. They get there early. They stay late and, of course, take stuff home at night. And so how could, is there, if there was any way that they, we could give them back more time? And so that was, that was really a big number one thing. And then another thing was professional development and us really considering um, really evaluating our professional development opportunities to ensure that they were things that were going to be beneficial to to teachers to help them improve their their skill and their craft and their pedagogy and so that those were really two big common things of course you know pay and salary consideration was something that that did come up but it was lower on the list 
We do not currently give a stipend for master's degrees and advanced degrees, and that was another thing that was a kind of a consistent thing that, that I was able to then take and we're, we're going to evaluate as we move into budgeting in the future. But those were three big trends for us. Let me ask you about that. It is interesting that you say that pay was lower on the list uh, than time and professional development was. What does that tell you about your teachers? Yeah, I mean, it tells us that their priorities in the, are in the right place. We want them to care about kids. And number one, we want them to care about growing and improving as educators, number two. And then, of course, pay is important. It's important to everyone. And so, um, but that, that list in terms of priority tells me that our teachers and educators have their priorities in the right place. Mm. So what did you do with this data that you that you collected? How did you address these issues of uh, time always being in short supply of teachers wanting more effective and classroom impactful professional development activities? What are the sorts of action steps that you took as a result? So immediately we started evaluating, okay, where, where is there any way that we could give our teachers back more additional time? We're, we knew that this, all of this occurred last spring, and so we knew going into this school year, we were also going to be implementing a brand new curriculum, and we knew there were going to be some even greater challenges for teachers in terms of learning a new curriculum and planning and implementation. So what could we do moving forward that would provide more time? And of course, one of the things that we immediately evaluated was our instructional calendar. And in our instructional calendar, we're required to have a certain number of minutes of instructional minutes for the school year. And so we started to look, was there a way that we could build in some more time while still being in compliance with those minutes? And so what we decided to do was we immediately came up with four days that we could have an early release day and just to give our teachers two hours on four different days this year where they could meet together as a professional learning community and have more time to plan and collaborate and work together. And, you know, one might think, well, it's just two hours, four days out of the year. Those two hours to a teacher are extremely valuable. And we just had our last one, um, I mean, our first one this last week. And it was a day where every campus dismissed, we have staggered dismissal time, so every campus dismissed two hours early and the kids went home. And the feedback that's come in from our teachers about the value of that time has made it to where I know, I know already it was a great decision. I wonder if you could talk a little bit as we think about professional development, as we think about the fact that time is such a scarce resource, how does that impact the kinds of professional development opportunities that you offer to your teachers when, when you know we really have to make this count if we're going to use this kind of time? Right. So I have a philosophy that I've had ever since I left the classroom. So I I left the classroom over 20 years ago. And when I left the classroom, my mentor at the time told me, wherever you go in the ranks of administration, always take the teacher's eyes with you. And I have that on a sign that hangs on my wall in my office, and I promote it constantly. So what that means is that those of us who are making decisions, 
administration, those who work in our central office, anyone who's making a decision about teachers, teachers' time, what we expect of teachers. You have to see it through the teacher's eyes. So professional development is certainly one of those things. And the way that that plays out is whenever we're making decisions about things where we're going to ask teachers to invest their time, we want to make sure that it's valuable to them. We, we call it valuable professional development in Richardson ISD. That's what we call our professional development program. We, we put the label valuable professional development, and we always say it's only valuable if what we're doing makes a difference for teachers to help them improve their skills and craft, and that it then translates to student performance outcomes. And so that lens is a part of our culture, and we constantly remind each other of that. Is this something that our teachers will benefit from, or is this just something, a box that we need to check off? Is this something that we could deliver in the terms of an update or some type of online uh, information rather than having them to invest their time. And um, so that's really become something that has that helps to guide us. And then whenever we, have, we, we evaluate from our teachers, the question we ask is, was this a beneficial use of your time? Before we move on any further, you mentioned with regard to the budget and with time, issues with special education staffing ratios. Can you talk a little bit more about that your plans for the future, as well as what are the kinds of things you're hearing from teachers right now in special education and why that might be especially true in special ed, and then what you're going to do about it in in coming years. So in our stay interviews, that was another trend that we saw across our campuses, was that we needed to evaluate and address our special education ratios as staffing ratios. And we did that very seriously at the conclusion of the stay interviews, so much so that we built into our budget this year additional staffing allocations as a direct result of the information that we heard from our stay interviews. And so uh, it became a priority, as a matter of fact. And it became a priority in our budget. And in a, in a time where we have some very challenging budget situations right now in our district and across the state because of state funding, last year we adopted a deficit budget and we are adopting a deficit budget again this year. But in spite of that, we put the, these types of needs as priorities in our budget because they're critical to take care of our special education students, to keep our programs strong, and um, to take care of the needs of our teachers. One of the things you mentioned to me the last time we spoke was the issue of feedback for teachers about always having someone there observing and providing real-time feedback that's timely and useful. And you talked a little bit about your teacher residency program. Could you speak a little bit more in detail about that program why it started, and does that connect to this issue of teacher retention as well? Certainly, yes. I mean, one of the best ways that you can help teachers grow professionally is to observe them and then to give them real-time, immediate feedback. And that, that's another issue, another thing that we, that we heard, not only in our state interviews, but when we've done surveys in our district, is that teachers want feedback on how they can grow. And so the, the teacher residency program is one of the best 
examples of that because it has teammates in with teachers helping and observing and watching them and then they work together and they receive immediate feedback. And so that again is that that directly correlates to that that trend that we heard from our teachers about wanting ways that they could grow professionally and the teacher residency program is a great way that we're doing that in Richardson. Does every teacher get to take part in that? Is this a volunteer thing? Is it something that is geared towards new teachers? What are the what are the mechanics there? So right now we have our teacher residents assigned to our campuses that I talked about that where we have our greatest needs and challenges. So at our four campuses that are called our ACE campuses, we have um, teacher residents that are spread out across those campuses, helping our teachers in so many ways, and we're already seeing so many benefits. Hmm. I mean, this obviously ties into the broader national conversation about equity. Talk to me about the before and after that you saw when you first came into the superintendent's role. What was it like at those schools, and what is it like now? So when I first came into Richardson, as I told you, I was deputy superintendent over curriculum instruction. So I had a much closer hand in, well, I, I still have a close hand now, but when I first came in, I, that was my direct work because I was over curriculum and instruction. And so I saw and was quite surprised when I first arrived in Richardson in terms of the disparity at some of our campuses. So we, we have a number of campuses that have over um, 90% economic disadvantage, and we have some campuses that have less, you know, than 5% economically disadvantaged. And so with that comes some challenges in terms of wanting resources and and everything that we provide to be equitable. But it's certainly something that we have to do. So we we the campuses in Richardson with our high concentrations of economically disadvantaged. That's where the turnover was. And when I started to dig into that, I found that that the, the morale was low with those campuses, that the, the teachers who were there felt like that the rest of the district almost felt sorry for them, that they, that they were assigned to teach there because it's so hard sometimes to teach in a campus with so many challenges concentrated in one, one area. And so um, I knew that, that we had to do something to address that because when you have a morale issue like that and when you have teachers that are leaving because it is so hard to teach in a place, that obviously filters down to the kids. So we had to do something about that. So that's when we decided that we would implement our, our ACE program, which I can go into for you. What that is, it is that and we're following the lead of Dallas ISD and Fort Worth ISD that have implemented this with great success. But basically what we did was last year, we reconstituted the four campuses with greater than 90% economic disadvantage. And what that means is that we went in and we, we identified first across the whole district our teachers who were growing kids. Over time, the, our, our, our teachers who have the, the greatest evidence in terms of standardized tests, we looked at all kinds of different metrics and also did some qualitative evaluation. And then we invited over 300 teachers to fill the seats at these four campuses. And it was their choice. 
we are in the implementation right now. We just kicked off this first year with with at the four campuses. Two of the principals are brand new. Two of them stayed, and then we have um, just all new staffs at those campuses. And I have been in education for this is my 29th year, and I've never seen a transformation so powerful and so strong what is going on at those four campuses. Um, the morale is high. Um, if you are teaching at one of those campuses now that people used to feel sorry that maybe you were assigned to teach there, now you are a rock star. You are the best of the best and you are there and they are making a difference and it is a completely different, I have four completely transformed schools right now, and we are already seeing all kinds of um, data that's showing that it's going to work and it is working. And this is this is the first year that this new program is in place, is that correct? That's right. So we are a little bit over a month into it. But the teachers worked additional days this summer. They um, worked over 10 additional days, contract days this summer, to prepare for the year and I mean, it's just been a great kickoff and a great start to the school year. Hmm. And and you're seeing changes not only in culture and morale, but I, I believe you said you're already seeing gains in student performance. Is that correct? Yes. So we it, we've just started our um, assessment for the year, and already in our first assessments, those schools are out for way outperforming where they were at this time last year. Hmm. Hmm. What are you seeing? Uh, more broadly in your district as you have gone through and conducted these stay interviews and have have really set out to listen to what teachers are saying, have you seen any indication that this is going to make a a, a significant impact in teacher retention and reducing turnover? Well, we, you know, a lot of this is qualitative, but this school year has been a start of a school year like none other, um, not only in Richardson, but in any of the districts I've been in before. Um, the sense of community already that we have, we have a huge campaign going on in Richardson right now. It's called RSD Connects. And uh, anyone who follows us on Twitter, follows me on Twitter at 3J Stone, would see literally daily hundreds of hashtag RSD Connects examples of ways that teachers are connecting with with one another, that teachers are connecting with kids. And we, I really saw the last year in the stay interviews, the conversations that we had, just reading through literally hundreds and hundreds of comments from teachers that that teachers want to feel a, a sense of connectedness and uh, with with everything going on at the district. So you can have a vision statement. We have a vision statement that says that uh, RSD is a place where all students connect, learn, grow, and succeed. And it, we, we really want to promote that in, in, and it be more than just words on a website, words in a, on a piece of paper. And because of feeling that sense that that's what teachers want, we really started off the year really intentionally trying to do that. And um, I've, I mean, I can't tell you what kinds of great things that I'm seeing on, as account of that feedback that we receive from them. Hmm. What about people who might say, well, this stuff might work in your schools, but they wouldn't work in ours. Is there anything unique about your area or your district that puts you in a better position to tackle teacher retention issues than might be found in other parts of the country? 
So the great thing about my school district and every single school district of anyone who might be listening is that it's all about people. This is all about taking care of our people and listening to our people and that that is something that we all have in common. That's the great thing about the education business is it's all about working with people, serving people, and ultimately doing so to take care of kids. And the other great thing about anyone who is in education is that everyone has a heart for kids. We all got into this business because we love kids and we want to serve kids. I mean, most teachers, most everyone who is in education could go and probably make a whole lot more money doing something else, but they stay because they love kids and they love working together with people who share that same thing in their heart. And so I would say to anyone who says that this won't work, I would say you're wrong because every one of us just likes to be listened to and to like to feel like I am a part of something bigger than myself. Hmm. Boy, isn't that the truth? So what is next on the horizon for you, for Richardson? What do you think you're going to tweak in the next year or two? Or, or what new things would you like to start doing as, as time goes on and, and this program matures? So we'll continue with our stay interviews and we'll get better and better at, at that because of some feedback that we've received from from uh, our staff members about different kinds of questions we could ask or things like that. But an, an ex- another extension of that is going out to a broader audience. And so, you know, we, we have paraprofessionals. We have those who work in our cafeterias. We have our bus drivers. And providing opportunities to get uh, input and feedback from them as well is our next level of work. And we tried it with teachers. It worked so beautifully. The input, the feedback that we received has been actionable. And we know that if we go out to other audiences in our school district, then we will be able to, to do that as well. Uh, it's just been a great example of if you sit face-to-face with people, they will be open with you. They will tell you the truth. They will tell you things that you can that you need to hear. And then you can take action based on it. So it's just broadening. broadening our reach to ensure that we are listening to every employee in the district. Jeannie, how does a district of the size of Richardson ISD with 39,000 students and and the kind of diversity that you see in Texas, uh, very high levels of diversity, what does it look like to ensure equity for every student, especially when you have, you've already talked about making sure that your high quality teachers are the ones who are working in schools where there's the most need. But is there anything else that you're doing or other steps you're taking to make sure that you're serving, as your vision statement says, all students? So a lot of it is about culture and belief, and that has to start with our school board and, uh, you know, and just filter and permeate across the whole district. But, um, you know, the culture of our district is such that we continuously promote that we are on a cycle of continuous improvement and we will not settle until we, we reach 100%. And a lot of people will say, well, how can you have a goal? You need to set a goal that's realistic, such as 90% or 80%. And 
for me, I say that we will never settle until we're 100%, and that 100% is not a prediction of student performance, but it is a statement of our commitment that all really means all. And those three words are very important. They're, it's not cliche. It, it is everything that we work, we work at every single day, that all has to mean all. So what that looks like is seeing every single one of them. So you can, you can look at 39,000 as this big, huge number. Or you can say, the first one showed up this morning across town and you know got off the bus and then the next one came and the next one came and the next one came until every single one of them fills every seat in every classroom and every single one of them has to be seen for what they who they are what they need and when we have that kind of culture then we can have equity and that means that once you see what they need you see who they are that you build resources you put things in place you ensure that there is a rock star teacher in every classroom that you have a rock star principal in every school and that everything is about giving them what every single one of them needs until that adds up to 39,000 and so equity for us is about that we also this last year uh, created a division of equity in our school district and they we have an equity council that's been developed this last year and that work will result in an equity policy which is currently being worked on and will go to our school board for adoption so all of those things are real things that I believe are going to help us to achieve a big big goal of equity for every student. Dr. Jeannie Stone is superintendent of Richardson ISD in Texas. Jeannie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to see the questions that the administration of Richardson ISD asked their teachers in the STAY interviews, you can. There are 10 questions. They're simple, but you can see how they provided Jeannie and her staff with really useful insights into how to increase teacher retention. You can find them in our show notes or on our website at frontlineeducation.com slash field trip. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. You'll receive new episodes when they're released every other Friday. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Field Trip is a podcast from Frontline Education, home of Frontline Recruiting and Hiring, a software solution designed to help you proactively recruit more applicants and quickly identify the best candidates and get them up to speed. For more information, visit FrontlineEducation.com. For Frontline Education, I'm Ryan Estes. Thanks for listening and have a great day.